Well done, well done. Good morning, everybody. It's, it's good to see you this morning. Did you like Zach's bow tie? What do you think about that? Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, they're kind of funny looking. But it's okay, Zach. We, we love you, though. I don't know where you went, but he's probably going to fix the strings on his guitar. Um, so I uh, wish I could say I've never had that happen in a worship service like that. I, in fact, the first time it happened to me, I didn't have a backup guitar either. So it was like, uh-oh, we're, we're just going to have to stop for a second. I, I, I bring you greetings this morning, and uh, it, it looks like from the weather that this is the last fall day we're going to have, and, and we're going to end up in winter next week, I guess. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to that because I like the snow, so... Yeah, I, I mean, I like the seasons. I, I grew up in uh, <laughs> I grew up in Pennsylvania, and and so the seasons are a part of my life. And and really, fall and winter are probably my my two favorite times. So, um, look forward to that. This morning, as as we begin um, this this first week in December, I I, I we're going to have a series throughout up till Christmas called Christmas Reactions. Now, I, I want you to think about this. When, when we think about the reactions of Christmas, um, most of us are immediately going to think of, oh, this is awesome, this is really good, uh, it's, it's a joyous time to be with family and friends, and, and it's just, there's just all good things about it. Um, but let's be real for a second and, and really get down to earth and to recognize for most and many people, maybe even some of us in this room, Christmas is not that great. You may be going through a time right now that you uh, are very lonely because what you recognize is the person that used to celebrate Christmas with you is no longer even on this earth. It could be a family member, a husband, a wife, uh, a mother, a father, a child. And, And Christmas is not so great. As a pastor for many years, I I discovered that my counseling load always increased through the Christmas season. It was marriage counseling a lot. It was just personal counseling with people that were entering depressions because of of being unable to provide for their families in the way that they think they should uh, because the American dream says um, the packages should nearly cover the, the whole Christmas tree. And yet, that's that's not what it is. And yet, here's what I recognized as I went through the Christmas story itself, that there are multiple Christmas reactions that occur in the very characters that are in the Christmas story. And so, we're going to break this down. We're going to look this week at, at the shepherds and the angels Next week, we're going to look at the Magi and Herod. Um, The week after that, we're going to look at Joseph. And then the week of Christmas, we're going to look at Mary's reactions. And and you're going to discover a ton of reactions. I, I, I was kind of amazed as I saw them. We begin our, our time with the shepherds and the angels. And I, I want you to kind of notice um, in the different reactions that we're going to see, and I believe there's five of them um, in, in this very simple, short story out of the, ch- uh, 
the second chapter of the book of Luke, um, there are going to be places that I encourage you to recognize where you have different reactions also. And the reactions might be very similar to this with different things in life. So before we go to God's Word, would you, would you allow me to pray for us? God, um, Todd said it. I really do want to hide behind the cross. And Lord, it, it is so um, easy, I think, during this time of, of the, the waiting for the arrival of Jesus, this Advent season, that we can make the manger scene, the the food trough in which He was born, to be so large that it, it puts the cross in the shadow. And God, I don't want that. For yeah, Jesus was born in a lowly manger. But His purpose was to go to a cross. And may we never lose touch with that. That every step He took, every, every movement that He made toward growing up and maturing was all about being ready to go to the cross. And that He didn't live a short life in order to go to the cross as a young child where He didn't have to face much, but no, at 32 years old, where He was tempted in every way that we have been tempted. This is a Savior that knows. So God, help us to just keep that in focus this morning. And I pray too that, that you would help us to realize our own anxieties about Christmas. That you would help us to recognize our own struggles in life. And that maybe the, the joys and the fears of the shepherds and the angels with things that can help us as we walk this earth waiting for your return. So I thank you for that, God. Bless us now with the presence of your Holy Spirit. Don't let us leave here the same as we arrived. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Grab your Bible and let's go to Luke chapter 2. We're going to start this um, in the 8th verse of Luke. And, and it's... The heading in, in, in our Bibles are probably going to say something about the shepherds and the angels because that's what this whole passage is about. Um, we will, in, by the time we go through all of Christmas, we will handle almost every passage that talks about Christmas in the Gospels. And, and so here we are in the eighth verse of the second chapter, and it says this, in the same region, and the same region here, you're saying, well, what does that mean? Um, they're talking about the same region that Mary and Joseph are at this point. And that's kind of preceding this, but we, we kind of recognize what's going on. Um, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Th this is a very normal thing, right? A, a shepherd just didn't uh, shepherd the sheep during good weather. A shepherd just didn't shepherd the sheep uh, when, it was, when it was daylight. The, the shepherd hung out with the sheep. They were constantly with them, protecting them. And so the shepherds are keeping their watch at night over the flock. Verse 9 says, Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Now we're going to stop right there because that's the very first Christmas reaction that I see. The, 
the shepherds are afraid. In fact, the first Christmas reaction I see is it's, I've titled it mega fear because that's the Greek word here that's used for this fear. In fact, it's an interesting kind of use of, of Greek in this area because what they do when they want to make sure you recognize something is important, they use the word twice in a row. And so the, the word for fear is the word we know. It's a phobia, right? If you have a fear of something, is phobia. Well, you've just, you just have identified a Greek word because phobos is the Greek word for fear. And what they did is they put phobos, phobos, right back to back to each other. And so what, what that says is it's not, just not a little bit of fear. They, they weren't just, oh, oh, just startled a little bit. No, no, they are quaking in their robes. And they may be needing to clean something up because they are mega afraid at this point. Now, why is that? What, 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 is, what happens to us? What really is fear? Well, let me be really honest with you, and I hope that you can take this well. Have you ever been afraid? How many of us are afraid of spiders? Anybody got a spider? Okay, spider hand went up real quick. Um, I have this issue with mice. Um, well, well here, here's the deal. I was out hunting as a, as a young, young boy. Uh, I was deer hunting, and I, I was sitting down, uh, leaning up against the tree, and I was watching this field mouse run around as I, I was sitting there, and that rascal ran right up my pant leg. And I mean, I am doing this, trying to get this thing. And, and from that point on, I am like, is this still appropriate? Can I say that I, I, I scream like a little girl? I mean, is this, I mean I'm, I'm like, ah, ah. I, I don't know. It's just, I, but, but okay, let me, let me be honest with you. Um, what is, what's fear? It's a temporary lack of faith, isn't it? I mean, I mean it, 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 it says I don't get it. I don't understand what's happening or about to happen. In fact, I, I kind of think of it this way, that, that I have a, a normal circumstance in my life, and, and when normal is interrupted by something that I don't understand, I often am going to react with fear. And so it, it, it doesn't matter whether I'm, I'm driving a car and I'm just going along and all of a sudden I, the car starts to come out of the intersection, but they stop, and, but I've, I've immediately gone, oh, right? I mean, there's this reaction because my normal has been interrupted. And you're going to say, well, what do you mean? Well, it's the same thing that happens when a loud noise would happen, and you're startled and you jump back. It's your normal has been interrupted. Well, it, it, it gets deeper than that, right? Because sometimes it happens to us when the, when the doctor comes and he puts his hands on your shoulder in the emergency room and says, I'm sorry. And your normal has been interrupted. And we have this shock that hits us. And oftentimes the next thing that happens is this fear that comes about because what's going to happen next? We have the same sense, and I don't know if you pay attention to international news, and, and we, we listen to what's going on in North Korea, and they have just tested an ICBM that can hit, according to experts, any place in the United States. 
in this rather crazy country is now in control of weapons of mass destruction that can be placed on our continent. And when some people hear those things, they're, they're digging out in their backyard. I mean, they're, they're starting to go back and putting in fallout shelters like we used to have back in the 60s and the 70s. And, and so, so this, all of us are, are, have our normals interrupted. And oftentimes we're, we're really going to, to, to be afraid of what is to happen. And so, you know, let's, let's catch the shepherds, right? They, they, have, they have gone through the day... They have led the sheep probably in places that they have been before. Typically, in the Middle East, when they were leading sheep, they had a pattern of what they would do because you, you can't overeat the ground. And so they're, they're going to be moving through different valleys. They're going to take them to different places of watering, but they're all normal for them. And they would have gone through a very normal day. They would have taken the sheep down and they would have made sure that they had a place to have fresh water. They would have been walking through a particular place where they could eat and they would have camped in a place that they have camped before. It was a very normal day. They would have sat around a fire in the evening and they would have warmed their hands. They would have eaten their food. They would have one who would be on watch and the rest would take a nap. It was all very normal. But what Scripture says is that all of a sudden, an angel of the Lord stands before them. This is not normal. And this is so outside of normal that they aren't just startled, but they are mega terrified. The next verse, I just want to look at just the beginning of the next verse, in fact. The angel responds to them and says this, But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid. Almost every time an angel appears to a human being, do you know what the angel's words are? Don't be afraid. Now, I almost think that's funny in some ways. I mean, it's weird. Because I would... We think of an angel as beautiful. We think of an angel as, I don't know, we, we, we see the pictures of them and they are, are very soft-featured and, and always, I don't know, I just, we, we just kind of see them like butterflies. It's obvious that's not what they look like. Because every time an angel appears, his response is, don't be afraid, because people are terrified, terrified. They're mega afraid. Let's make sure that we grasp something about the holiness of our God. He is holy. Holy. And the creatures that He created to serve Him and to be His messengers are the mightiest warriors that were ever created in the universe. 
Jesus was in the garden. He, he talked about, don't you know that I could have had 10,000 legions of angels? The angels are the right hand of God itself in power and might. These angels, the word itself is the word messenger. They serve as the messenger of the Lord. Do, do you remember the Old Testament story where Balaam is on a donkey? And the angel of the Lord, invisible, is in front of him, only visible to the donkey itself. But even the donkey recognized, you don't mess with the angel. You stand back. In fact, you'll fall down and pin your master to the wall if you have to. But you don't cross the angel. That's why they're afraid. Because the appearance of this mighty warrior isn't like a butterfly. This is the power of God Almighty. And they're terrified. But the angel says to them, it's okay. Don't be afraid. I, I, I think about that in so many of the circumstances of my life. I, I, I used to be afraid to fly. I, I just was. I, I used to say, well, it, it's just because they won't let me be the pilot. I'm, I'm, I'm not in control. But, but that, that really wasn't it. I just somehow, I, I, I could, in, I, I don't know why, but I was, I was terrified that that thing was going to split wide open five miles in the air and I was going to fall. And I, I just, I was afraid. And I recognized, it was then that God taught me that this is a lack of faith, Bob. And in fact, I was on a flight, it was not long after 9-11, I'm on a flight with this this sitting next to a girl, and as I strike up a conversation with, actually, she strikes up a conversation with me and says, you don't have to be afraid. And she leaned over and whispered, she said, I'm an air marshal. And I said, I'm, I'm not afraid of terrorists. I'm afraid of flying. And and, and she sat there, you know, kind of looked around and was probably saying to herself, gee, I probably shouldn't have told that guy I'm an air marshal. It's supposed to be a secret. And she finally leaned over and she said, you know, you're just as safe here as if you were sitting at your desk. And here's what I recognize. She's absolutely right. God kind of spoke into the back of my mind. That's how God speaks to me, just kind of these instantaneous thoughts and they're not me because it's too smart. And, and, and it, it just said, you are no further from my hand here than you are at your desk. And if you're going to die in a plane crash, you could be sitting at your desk and I just bring the plane right to you. And so I, I began to kind of wrestle with this thing of why am I afraid 
and I, I, I recognize that God has a message to each and every one of us in the middle of the fear that we are battling. And whether that fear is on you now or it comes very soon, because frankly, you will experience this. You're human. Here's the message that I think God wants us to get when we're afraid. And it's very simple. I'm God. I've got this. Our fear is always a faith issue. It's always. And it's whether you're afraid because you don't have a job and you don't know what you're going to do or afraid you're going to lose your job or afraid that your family is going to be taken from you or you're afraid, you're afraid, it doesn't matter what it is. God says, I've got this. I've got three reasons for us to kind of think about when we're afraid of why we don't have to be. Go write the next slide for me. The first one is this. God knows about it. Do you recognize God does not see time like we see time? See, when I think about tomorrow, all I'm doing is thinking about tomorrow, and I'm guessing what tomorrow will bring. I guess. God's already in tomorrow. God sees time in any way He chooses. He is outside of time. And and so, whatever you're struggling with, Whatever that thing is that rises up and makes you afraid, God already knows because God's already there. You don't have to be afraid. God's got this. The second reason is the truth. And sometimes we don't like to think about this, but do you do recognize the Word of God says that, that God is in control? There is nothing outside of His control. Which means God either allows the thing you're afraid of or He has indeed even caused the thing you're afraid of. I was talking to uh, a a very good friend of ours who had had been at one time one of my best friends. He died uh, not too long ago uh, when I was here. Uh, in talking with her, she's afraid. She, she's afraid of how her daughter is going to to be raised. She's just 12 years old, 11 years old. She's concerned about how her sons are going to then not have a fatherly example and that he will never be be a grandfather to the children. And she's afraid of what tomorrow is going to bring. And you, you recognize that somehow, some way, God allowed His death. You get that, right? That we live and breathe and we continue to do those things by the grace of God and by God alone. And we will one day cease to breathe and exist by God's grace and by His grace alone. So every experience, everything that occurs Either God has allowed it, allowing the enemy to cause it. And so you say, what do you mean? Well, we had a tornado that came through um, three, four weeks ago now. You think it happened by accident? There are no such things as accidents. God is involved in all things. All things. That tornado went exactly where God wanted it to go. It cannot. 
go anywhere other than what God intends. There are times that great disaster falls upon the planet, upon our lives. That's how we view it. But you know, God's not thinking of it like that. And the third one, that's the thing that we have to make sure we keep in mind is in every circumstance of life, the design of the King is to bring glory to Himself. This lady that uh, was part of our church in North Vernon, um, love her and her husband, and she had knee replacement surgery. I went to the hospital to visit her when she had the surgery and and received a phone call from her husband after the surgery was over. She had been home for a couple of days and said they've had to put her back in the hospital. And I I went to the hospital. And she I, I get to the room. It's a Monday morning. She's sitting on the edge of the bed, madder than a hornet, because they're about to send her home. Because there's nothing wrong with her. And she cannot believe that the doctor would have her come back in and spend Sunday in the hospital when there was nothing wrong with her. It was just, her knee was all red. They thought it was infected. Blah, blah, blah. I mean, she was just madder than a hornet. She was mad at everything. And I, I said, whoa. Do you ever think for a second this isn't about you at all? Do you ever think that maybe God wanted to show the nurses how a godly woman experiences problems and handles it by His grace? Well, she was kind of like, eh, oh, hadn't thought of that. And I said, the truth of the matter is, this thing that has happened to you may not be about you at all. Here's the interesting thing that happened. I pray with her, and I leave the room. I get on the elevator. We were on the fourth floor. I push the button, and a woman walks up with her head down, and she stands looking at the elevator wall. And and I was just troubled. And I said to her, I said, Ma'am, is everything okay? This lady turns around and she has, she is just covered with tears. Her mascara has run all the way down and she says to me, I don't know what to do. My husband just died. Now here I am on the elevator that I shouldn't have been on except that this lady in my church was brought into the hospital for no reason. Without God's work in her life, I never would have been in that elevator. I never would have had a chance to pray with that lady and to stay with her until her family got there to care for her, until I could get the chaplain at the hospital to stay with her. She'd have been all alone. That's how much God loves. That God manipulates all of us, according to His plan, that He might be glorified. 
not about us. Most of the time, it's not about us at all. We have got to quit being so selfish that we fail to recognize that God is seeking to bring glory to Himself. The next time you are in a horrible place, the next time you're experiencing that, what is going on? Why is this happening to me? Please ask the question, are you sure it's about me at all? The world revolves around the King. Not the people of God, but God Himself. That's why we shouldn't fear. Because God's got a plan. His plan is not to harm you. When we look at what God said to the nation of Israel, He said, I know the plans I have for you to prosper you and not to harm you, but to bring you hope. no matter what you're going through, no matter what that is that is going to strike fear straight into your heart, that you don't know what's going to happen next, remember it's not about you. God's got a plan. God's already there in your future. He's got this. He's not surprised at anything. The Bible says to us in 2 Timothy, as Paul writes there in, in uh, 1.7, um, and he says, he says that the God has not given us a spirit of fear. So that means every time I'm afraid, that doesn't come from God. It's not part of my, my reborn personality. It's part of the old world I keep clinging to. When I hop up on the chair because the mouse is running by, that's not because God gave me. In fact, what God gave is not the spirit of fear, but the, but the spirit of power and of love and a sound mind. Remember that when you're going through the challenges that are coming up in your life. And look, you may be in a really good sweet spot right now where everything is just really good. I mean, I mean it's like you're grooving it. You're hitting every shot that you're taking. It's wonderful. It's not going to last. Ask Tiger Woods. Ask Jack Nicholas. Ask Michael Jordan. It never lasts. It's good while it's happening, but it's going to go. Be ready by understanding how God works and what His plan is for you. Let's go back to this 10th verse, because the angel has said to them, be cool. No, he said, be, be not afraid. So, he says, but the angel said to them, don't be afraid. Then he says in that verse, he said, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, a Savior who is Messiah, the Lord, was born in the city of David. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in cloth and lying in a feeding trough. If you didn't know, the manger is a feeding trough. That's what that is. I, I want you to kind of think for a second. Here are these angels. They have uh, appeared before the shepherds and they're telling them, here's what I've got to tell you. Pay attention. 
And they have this, this, well, let me ask you. Are you just going to stay by the fire after the angels leave? Are you going to investigate what they told you? You see, there's two reactions for us as human beings. When, when our normal is interrupted, remember the normal of the shepherds, hanging out at the fire, just finished their can of beans. Uh, they're just kind of sitting there waiting for, for night to fall and, and so that they can sleep. The, the sheep are, are making their sheep sounds, whatever that the uh, thing is. Um, and, and so everything is normal. The angels come and the angels say, here, this will be a sign for you. This is amazing. You're going to find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. What are you going to do? You know, some people are just going to say, I'm not doing nothing. I'm not leaving this place. I, I'm, I'm not going to do a thing. I don't, I don't want to leave normal. I like it. It's just what it is. I, I, I've done more funerals than I care to even... In fact, I don't remember them all. Um, but here's what I, I discover. I wrote a pamphlet to give to people after um, they have experienced grief and sorrow. And I, I called it Discovering the New Normal. Because normal is never going to be normal again. But some people don't really want to discover the normal. What they want to do is they want to go back to the old normal. The problem is that that person is not there. But there was a guy in the very first church that I served. His name, we called him Shorty. Shorty didn't want to go on to find a new normal for so much that he actually sat and talked to his wife as she sat in the chair that she used to sit in, he talked to her so much that he told me I can actually see her. And I said, Shorty, no, you can't. Your mind is creating that for you because you won't let go. You won't go on. Well, what are the shepherds going to do? I just want you to think about this for a second. Because so much of life begins to unfold for us. We don't know what it's going to bring. We don't know what today is going to bring. The unknown that lies before us is often a pathway to great, great blessing. You say, well, well, why is that? When you walk the same paths, you're going to experience the same thing. You've got to break away and begin to do something different in order to discover anything new. It's, it's only when we go beyond where we've been before we're ever going to discover anything new. I, I think about that, that experience with, with Peter. Um, you know, he's, he and the boys are in the boats and Jesus is discovered walking on the water and, and Peter says, call me out of the boat. And so Jesus obviously, obviously says, come on, Peter, come on. And Peter has this, this option, okay, am I getting out and doing something I've never done before? Am I walking on this water, or am I just going to stay in the boat? And Peter, bless his heart, gets out of the boat. And see, I think that, there, that God is speaking to some of us right now, saying, would you get out of the boat? 
You've done the same things. You've received the same things over and over and over and over. And there's nothing new going on in your life. Then do something different. Get out of the boat. And so as this unknown is placed before the shepherds, I mean, I, I don't know. Well, you think there were a couple of them that hung out, hung out at the fire and said, I'm not going? If I've been in a group of people, I'm saying, yeah, there is. It's very rare that the whole group is going to say something. No, we, we want to have our own way so much that there's going to be at least one of us is going to go, I'm not going. I don't care what the angel said. I must have been something we ate. The unknown is a pathway to great blessing. The angels now break into something that is very different. They share the news of the birth of the Savior. And then it says in verse 13, Suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel. Uh, Get this for a moment. This is a singular angel that has occupied all of their attention and all of a sudden, multitude is a word, it's a weird word, because multitude in Greek simply means an uncountable number. So it's like standing before a huge crowd and going, how many people were there? And it's like, I don't have a clue, there are a lot. Um, and so this multitude of the heavenly host, it doesn't say a multitude of angels necessarily, but, but it, 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 most scholars would kind of go, it must mean um, angels also, uh, the heavenly host are there not exactly sure who all this is, but it must be glorious. And it says here that the multitude, it it, it says that there they are where I've lost my place. Suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly hosts with the angel praising God and saying glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. Why are the angels rejoicing? See, we think about Christmas and the arrival of a Savior, and we recognize the cross. And so we go, wow, Jesus is here, finally. Well, this, could, this could get going. My, my sins can be forgiven as we think about what this all means. But angels have never sinned. They, they don't have a circumstance like us. They are so aligned with the will of God. Here's what I believe. The angels are rejoicing because they know that God's plan is finally being unfolded. That they are experiencing this great, great joy because God's at work. You know that angels have seen all of the evil that we do. The angels see us turning our backs on what God intends for our lives. Seeing us live our lives any way we choose to. Saying, God didn't really mean this, did He? I mean, Satan is using the same tactics that he used in the Garden of Eden to convince us that we're okay just as we are and doing things our way. And the angels long for that to be done. They rejoice because this great plan that was begun before the foundation of time was laid is finally at the place that Jesus can come. 
the angels are awaiting another great time of rejoicing. And that will be at the end. But first, if you read the book of Revelation, the angels will not come as kindly messengers. The angels will be in their full armament and warrior mode. And they will slay millions upon millions because God will unleash them. Read the book. Now they're rejoicing because some will be saved from that deadly day that they know is coming. Some will be saved. Is that you, my friend? Do you know a Savior? Have you gone before the cross and said, Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Forgive me. I want you to run my life. I want you to show me the difference between right and wrong. I need you. It doesn't happen automatically, no matter how you were born, into what kind of family. Your grandma's faith isn't getting you to heaven. You're on your own. Except Jesus says, I'll go with you. And when you would go to heaven, Jesus would stand in front of you. And when the Father looks at you, he would see his Son. Because you've trusted Christ as your Savior and Lord. The angels rejoice. Because they see that that's now possible. They see now that the plan is unfolding and it's about to happen. In the 15th verse, it, it's a, it, 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 it says, when the angels had left them. So all of a sudden, this, this great, amazing experience of the heavenly hosts praising God. Uh, can you imagine what this is? In fact, I, I wonder, is this the light? that the magi saw from a distance? Would it have been that bright? You see, angels are described as being clothed in lightning. The brightest light that a human can imagine. So I wonder, was that the beginning? Was that what the magi saw? Was this experience of the heavenly host revealing themselves? And oh, by the way, from the Old Testament, we know that that heavenly host is all around us at all times. We, we just don't see them. And yet they were revealed there. We, we see them in that 15th verse saying that suddenly, when the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. I'm glad they didn't take a vote. Been in a lot of church services. A lot of times we take votes. And we don't always do what God wants us to do. They somehow agreed, let's go see what this is. This Christmas reaction to me is a, is a reaction of great curiosity. I've seen an amazing sight. I've heard an amazing thing. Now let's go see if this is true. 
you know, one of the things that happens to us as individuals is we, we want proof for stuff. I mean, I was one of those people that had heard about Christ as a teenager, um, and I was one of those guys that wanted Jesus to prove himself to me. I was like those rabbis and the chief priests on Calvary that walked past him hanging there and said, you climb down from the cross and I'll believe you are who you say you are. We want proof. And some of us in this room... Frankly, we're on our way to hell because we want proof. I hope you you get it. You're not getting proof. Faith is proof for what you cannot see. I believe not because I've seen, but because I have been given the faith You too can have that faith if you ask for it. Help me in my unbelief. The shepherds have this great curiosity, but I I think it is so interesting because they have been told about a Savior. They have been told, uh, the word Savior is the word rescuer, uh, that they have been told that there is this potential for rescue. Even in the first century, people realized life stinks. No matter what you have, where you are, what circumstances you're in, junk is just around the corner. It is. I'm talking to a brother back here. This week, uh, it was a transmission, you told me? Transmission and a water heater in one week. Merry Christmas. And all of us are in that same kind of circumstance. We're just one day away from heartache. We're two heartbeats away from a heart attack. Cancer may be already coursing through our body and we don't even know it. I mean, life is like this. It is what it is. For the shepherds, they recognize life is not too good. When you think of shepherds, we, we often think of David and we think of, oh, everything is good with the shepherds. No, shepherds weren't even allowed in the temple because they stunk like the sheep. I mean, shepherds didn't have... It wasn't very pleasant to be a shepherd. And so they recognized, we've got a way out. This is potential here. Let's go see. And, 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 and the simple story is this. That when you have news of a possible rescue... You always want to know, how do, how do I get that? Let's see if it's true, if I can get out. There was a, a time um, years ago, I climbed the highest mountain in Germany, which is called the Zugspitz. Um, it was a time I was a bit of an adventurer. And uh, I, I, we, a team of, of uh, three of us took several days to climb up this mountain, and you, you advanced above the tree line and and you this was in august uh and you you get high enough and all of a sudden you're in the glacier you're in a constant snow cap um and you we you continued to climb we went all the way up to the very top of the zootspitz um and as we sat there kind of rejoicing that yeah this is the greatest day of our lives look what we just did we looked off to the west and it was black and lightning was coming down on the peaks that were just the other side. And it was like, 
oh my goodness, fellas, we've got to get off this mountain. I mean, if you've ever been on the top of a mountain, you know what's there? Nothing. Nothing. And so we, just, we began to basically run down the mountain. Now, what, what I learned very quickly is that your, your, your hiking boots will do okay in fake skiing down a glacier. And, and we went as fast as we could go. We got off the glacier part back to uh, regular turf in amazing time compared to going up, obviously. Um, and the rain began to come down in, in, in torrents we were in this high alpine valley that began to flood and i'm not talking about just you know up to your ankles i'm talking about we were walking through water up to our our knees and climbing and i was about to the place that i was afraid because the water was so cold you couldn't feel your feet and it was raining so hard and, and places that you didn't even recognize turned into waterfalls that were all coming into this alpine valley. And off on the side of the mountain, I saw this person waving a sheep. And they were in a cave. And we made our way to the cave. And by the time we got there, the water was almost to our waist and very difficult to get through. And there was a cave that the Alpiners had set up for just that very purpose. It was filled with blankets and matches and food in order for people that just like me to be rescued. I saw that flag wave. I was in deep trouble. But that flag waving gave me hope. You know what the problem with some of us are? We don't recognize we're We don't recognize it. Kathy's dad used to say, we're all in high cotton. All feels good. But you don't recognize that moments from now could be your last breath. That your world really is a wreck and you don't understand it. Jesus being born is the flag waving in the cave saying there's a way. There's hope. Verses 16 through 18, it says they, the shepherds, decided to go see what this was. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the feeding trough. After seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. You know, you know what I see is this great reaction in those verses is, 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 is great generosity. It's great generosity. I, imagine for a second that you are, you and all of your co-workers are stranded on some island in the Pacific. And as you are wandering around this island, you discover a boat. What are you going to do? You're going to get on the boat, leave all your co-workers behind? Or are you going to tell them what you've got? 
got a boat. We're saved. We can get out of here. Come on. You see, that's what the shepherds did. They went and saw that the Savior is who the Savior, Savior was promised to them. And they go back and they tell everybody what they know. They, they, they understand. And so it, it, it's, it's, this, it's this simple statement that the, the, the rescued find a way to tell others about what it is. You see, that goes back to what we talked about, going together. And, and sadly, here's what I think. We, we worked together for six weeks talking about that, and now we've forgotten. The people that are out there wandering around, they are never going to find out anything unless you go get them and show them the way, which is just what the shepherds did. Or are you going to get on the boat and you're going to leave all of your friends and your family behind? That doesn't make sense to me. That isn't like what you would do. Is it? In the 20th verse, we're going to skip um, 19 because we will talk about that in the when we talk about Mary. And we'll read it. It says, But Mary was treasuring all these things in her heart and meditating on them. Verse 20 says, The shepherds returned, went back to where they were, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard, just as they had been told. Christmas reaction number five is great praise. Not just the, oh, wow, that was interesting, but great, glorious praise. Do you recognize that the angels were created and they have to praise God? The beings around the throne, if you look at Isaiah chapter 6, those, those winged, multi-winged creatures, all, that they, all they say back and forth to each other is, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. They are created to praise. Do you know who is not? You and me. We have an option. We have a choice. And I, I, I tell you, God is more pleased with the praise of his, of these people right here, of us, than He is of the angels. Because we choose it or we deny it. So of all the multitude that gathered together there from the heavenly host, praising God and saying, all of heaven rejoiced because a few shepherds went back uttering praises to God because they have an Why did they praise God? Because the reality was as good as the promise. Because the angel said, there'd be a baby. Here's what you're going to find. Here's what you'll see. And when they got there, it was exactly what it was. No, it was even more. Several years ago, um, I bought a motorcycle on eBay. I bought actually a lot of motorcycles on eBay. But I, I flew to New Jersey pick up this motorcycle. I was going to ride it home. And I got it for a steal. And the whole way there, I'm wondering, gee, is this bike going to be what the guy said, or is it not? And I get there, and it was more than what he said. And I had, whoo, in my heart. Friends, do you recognize that Jesus is more? 
recognize that God is bigger than you can dream or imagine, and He can do more than you can dream or imagine? Do you recognize that you have not scratched the surface of the reality of what God wants you to know about Him and to experience in Him? Do you realize that the bargain is more than what you think? Because if you begin to think that, you will begin to experience the praise of God in ways that you have never experienced before. But if you think you've got it, if you think you have understood all that God is, your pride is so large that you will never know anymore. It's the humble one that says, I don't know. I don't get it. I don't understand. But I'm willing to be So what's God asking us to be obedient to today? If you are a born-again follower, if you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord, would you ask Him to help you clean up your act? That that you would be the representative of Christ in the places that you go? Would you ask Him to help you really do a good job at being the salt and light? Just ask Him to do that. If you don't know Christ, please don't think that this is but I'm talking down to you. Now, I didn't know Jesus until I was 36 years old. All of us at one point were in a place where we didn't have, know a Savior. All of us were like the shepherds, having a normal life, and, and our life got interrupted by some circumstance and some problem, and we began to see, is there more to life than this? And the answer is yes. There is more to life than this. Life is found in Jesus. That I have come that they may have light and they may have it to the full. If you're tired of your partial life, would you surrender your life to Christ? Would you come to Him? If you've been attending this church, is it time for you to be a member here? Membership does one really important thing. It says who we can count on. Members are partners. We work together. And so I invite you to determine, is that what God wants you to do? You're welcome to visit here as often as you want. But guests need to become members at some point. I was at my church in North Vernon for 15 years. And there was a couple that they never became members. For 15 years, every week they would be there. Every week. They would sit on the outside edges and never experience all that God wanted to experience. I felt sad for them because they were this close. Don't let that be you. Father, I thank you so much for the day that we have to live today. Thank you for the glorious weather that you have given us that we can experience the, the sunshine in the early part of December and a warm day. I thank you, God, that you have placed us in this wonderful area of Indiana. I thank you, God. Lord, I recognize that even in the middle of things that we can talk about as wonderful, we also know that life is not so wonderful. Some of us are struggling mightily. And I pray, God, that your hand would be upon them and would help them. 
Jesus, there are people here that their faith has, I, I hesitate to say that it's left them, but God, they, they're struggling. They're wondering about your reality. They're wondering about, are you really strong enough to do all those things that you say you will? God, I pray that you increase their faith. Help them to know they can trust you. You're already there. Lord, I pray for folks that are just curious about you. They're sitting on the outside wondering, is it all true? Can it be? God, I pray again for faith. Lord, we can't convince somebody. There's there's not some uh, button we can push that is going to produce something that is going to absolutely say um, that this is all fact. I, I thank you that it is by faith and by faith alone. And so I, I pray that this that your grace would be sufficient for all of us in all of our needs, and by your grace might we have the faith to believe. And I thank you for that. And so God, help us. Help us as a church to be, to be involved in our community and to recognize that the people all around here, that the, the statistics God show that Eight out of every ten people we're going to see somewhere are going to have no relationship with you. And they don't go to a church anywhere. Forgive us that we're fearful to invite them to something that can absolutely transform their lives. Help us to be your army. Help us, God. We need your help. We need it. And I thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Our worship team is going to come back up, and we're going to sing a couple of songs. And and this is the the time that you respond to God. And it, it is so easy for us to just kind of ignore that the Holy Spirit is asking us to respond to something that's been said or even not said. Oftentimes I find that the Holy Spirit is speaking to people in ways that I never intended. So don't listen to me now. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Don't leave here the same as you came. You you do recognize that that was the Spirit's plan from the beginning. It's for all of us to be transformed, to be changed more into the likeness of Jesus. This isn't about somebody else. This is about you. What's the Holy Spirit asking you to do? Let's stand together.